Hello, hello. You found us again on Boomerangst. This is Ruth. And this is Mike. And we're sorry we missed you last week, but we're back in your ears again this week. Here we are. Back have, and better than ever. Better than ever. <laughs> and we have so many things to discuss. First of all, and most importantly, is the ruling in Texas about the fetal heartbeat law and the vigilante justice that's been imposed there. Also, we wanted to talk about what's happening with President Biden, the end of Afghanistan, and how that's playing out in the press, and a little bit on the Michael Richards scandal at Jeopardy, all of the thrills and chills that that affords us. I'm going to talk about The Chair, which you saw in one episode of. I watched an episode, yeah. The Chair is on Netflix. And Um, I can address Nine Perfect Strangers. Oh, yes, please do. Please do. I'm very anxious to hear about that. So, Texas. I feel they may be the, the dog, dog that, that caught the, the car, car because this is leading to all kinds of issues having to do with reporting and suing. And as Glenn Kirshner, your friend said, yes, in order to sue, you have to have standing. And show a damage. Yeah. Yes. Right. The way that this was decided was through this shadow docket that the Supreme Court has where one member can read a request for a hearing Mm -hmm. and then present it to the other members of the court. And if I think four members of the court decide to hear it, then they can rule on it, but they don't hear oral arguments. And this was done in the worst possible way. Right. Because it was simply that they didn't comment. Right. They just right. were totally passive and the law went into effect. And they said that the law was written this way on purpose because normally you would have a governmental body that would be the entity yes. that brings charges and you could show harm. But I guess because there's... There's no one person that you no can look to, at yeah. to sue. But they still could. I mean, if there were four who voted against it, the Supreme Court still could have come in and said, no way. Yeah. And they didn't. Yeah. And that's just like beyond the pale shocking it's horrible it's the most horrible thing someone said what do you say now susan collins who looked at us and said oh brett kavanaugh he spoke to me and he would never ever vote to harm the roe v wade decision because it's settled law that woman bugs the shit out of me (laughs) (laughs) she's She's pretty awful. Well, the Mainers put her in, so what can you say? And I, I don't know enough about Maine's abortion laws yeah, to, know. to know how I, it'll affect But it, at any rate, I mean, that's a sideline about Collins, but I just can't believe that five members of that court decided it was okay to not let women have any abortions, including in cases of rape and incest. Including in cases but of even rape if and that incest. Was, even yes. if that was carved out, it still is such a draconian, anti-woman, anti-human law and ruling. I, it's just hard to comprehend. It's the worst thing that's happened in my lifetime to women's rights. I think so. It definitely is. To human rights. I mean, it, does, it affects women directly. In a larger sense, it just affects the tone and the fabric of the country. That's what we're holding up as high law. And the whole way that this came about is really convoluted because there was a point where the right to life people realized that saying life begins at conception was not pulling its weight. It was not persuading anybody. So what they decided to do was have all of these laws couched in ways to protect the woman. So doctors had to have the ability to go to hospitals in case something happened during the abortion procedure. And women had to listen to their fetal heartbeats because women could get depressed and be regretful about having an abortion mm-hmm. and all of these because other, without that women would have agency and we can't have that we can't have that because that means that they'd be full people right 
I did see a funny cartoon today that had a conference room. It was all dogs sitting in the conference chairs. Oh, and yeah. it said, meeting on feline health care. Exactly. <laughs> and That's totally it. So the woman herself is not one who can be sued, mm-hmm. which is bizarre. Not only that, but what about... Okay, I'm going to try not to scream when I say this. But what about the people who fathered the oh, yeah. heartbeat? Oh, right. What about... Why aren't they listening to the heartbeat? And not only that... Why aren't they the ones who were the first to who be are gone being after? Criminalized. Yes. Right. Why aren't they the first ones to be sued? Yeah. That's what I don't understand is the man is left out of it completely. Yeah. Except he can rat on somebody if yes. he finds them giving the woman a ride to an abortion. There was a story of a 13-year-old who was raped by her stepfather and didn't realize that she had gotten Become pregnant, pregnant and couldn't have an abortion because she was... Because of this law? Yes, because of this already? law. Already. Wow. And there was a woman who was five weeks into her pregnancy, mm-hmm. but she got COVID. She was at the Whole Women's Health in Texas. Right, right. She got COVID, and so she couldn't have the procedure, and that was... A horrible scene that was described by the women who were who were there trying to take it's care so, of them. It's so outrageous. And what really kills me is the idea of a woman having an unwanted baby. Having a baby is a huge responsibility and it takes maternal bonding and mm-hmm. it takes a lot of emotional weight for someone to have a baby that they don't want and for a baby to be unwanted mm-hmm. is a terrible cycle, a terrible yeah. thing to perpetrate. Right. Yeah. Did you hear Jen Psaki? She said yes. something so Brilliant. wonderful when she was asked about Biden and his Catholicism and she was asked how he felt about the life of the unborn child right. and she said well it's a situation you've never been right. in because you've never been pregnant yes yeah, I know you've but never faced to, this and yes. I know you've never been pregnant and President Biden believes that it's up to the, the woman right. to make a decision about her own pregnancy I thought she was exceptional oh she was brilliant she's brilliant every single day but that was really the shining moment I think I'm as mad at the press as I am at the Supreme Court and the lawmakers in Texas because today there was nothing in the front page of the New York Times. However, there was an article, Biden is still mourning a son, but some can't bear his grief. Someone at the New York Times thought that that was more important to put there than the fact that, what's her name, Nome, Christy Nome, that's not her name. Is it Christy? I don't know. Uh, Everybody sounds like their name is Christy these days. Kirsten (laughs) and Christy and Kristen. Kirsten, it's Kirsten, not Kirsten. (laughs) I'm just so angry that the idea that South Dakota and Florida and other states are just racing right, to get these laws bit. on the books for them for their next sessions. Yeah. It's pathetic. And I was looking all over for a, a number or something, a, an email address so that I could write to mm-hmm. the editor at the New York Times that I wasn't successful, but I will. I'm so infuriated. That anti-Biden piece too in the Times on the front page, as you point out, they interviewed a father of one of the soldiers who was killed in that bombing as we were leaving Afghanistan. And they were saying how he found it inappropriate that Biden brought up the loss of his own son because he hadn't lost his son in combat and it was a different situation. Why was he a loss is why a was loss. he stepping on his grief? He was trying to say, I've lost a son. He was I know trying what that to feels empathize. like. But the guy had been on Hannity and talked about how he was offended by Biden. And then at the end of the article in the Times, it said Biden's office reached out to him and said, if you're willing to accept a call, the president would like to call you to offer his condolences. And he he rejected it. He doesn't want to talk to Biden. So, you know, he's lost a son. It's serious and it's sad and all of that. And he it, needs it's to be, horrible. He needs I mean, to be cut yes. slack because he's grieving. But he also happens to be politically aligned with Fox yes. News and those people. Yes. So I mean so, I didn't and know which that. is which is his right. 
But for the New York Times to quote him as though... And to make him his, kind of the centerpiece of the right, article. And as though his opinion somehow encapsulates a larger sentiment among families of slain service people, it's crazy. The thing that's upsetting is I remember when Karl Rove was designing a campaign for George W. Bush against John Kerry. Mm -hmm. And the brilliant thing that he came up with was don't attack them on their weaknesses. Attack John Go Kerry on their strength. strength. Right. And his strength was being a yes. soldier and That's being right. someone who was brave. And then they went up after him and that, I, I can't remember, it was the About people the swift who... Boat thing? Swift boat, swift boating. And this is like, go after Biden yeah. for his empathy. Which is his strength, which is what differentiates him from the sociopath that was in office before. Yes. And yet, here's the New York Times attacking him. Yes, exactly. The same way they attacked Hillary. They picked up all of yeah. Trump's criticisms of her and ran them as, quote, news. Yes. What's up with them? If it weren't for Maggie Haberman, I would have to quit my subscription. It was Tuesday. Actually, it was Tuesday night. So Wednesday, there wasn't anything because the press had been closed down. But then Thursday, it was in the middle of the paper. And then on Friday or Saturday, there wasn't a single mention in the front section. And there was one article in the business section of the New York Times about, about this Texas oh my God. law. Yeah. So I feel like they've just done a terrible job of covering him and every single slur. No, slur? Is that the right? No, that's really when you call somebody a bad name, right? Well, it's an insult. Yeah. yeah. Every Everything that could be thrown at him has been reported in the New York Times. Right. Yeah. It's crazy. I don't understand it. Do they want a Republican regime after this? I mean, that's really the way it feels. I don't know. I'm just going to read Eric Bullard only going forward. <laughs> He's already posted these great tweets, you know. Has he? Yeah. But I think we should be looking at what can we do. We are having a women's march. Right. Like the anti-Trump march. Right. On October 2nd. Okay. But that doesn't feel soon enough well, to me. Well, yeah. No. But maybe it takes time to mobilize. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. But I hope that throngs of women and men show up. Yeah. Because it's important. But... The, there was one other thing. Oh, Planned Parenthood got an exemption. So a judge stayed the law for them. Oh, that's encouraging. I know. Isn't that incredible? I'm surprised they even have an office in Texas. Oh, I did have one thing to say about the law. The way that the bounty is being made available to individual citizens. Right. Someone said, what if California decided that they wanted gun laws? Right. And we were allowed to snitch Turn on our neighbors. Turn neighbors that have guns. Yes. That yeah, a constitutional right. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, should we talk about Jeopardy? Sure. Dun 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 Very good. See, and I never even watched Jeopardy, but I know. Yeah, it's in it's in our it's in our DNA now. Well, what a clusterfuck that was, getting Michael Richards to be the replacement for Alex Trebek. Yeah. I haven't watched it closely, but I heard the broad outlines of the story that I guess they had done it's a crazy. search. And after doing the search, he decided he would be the best one. He did a Dick Cheney. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> but was... wasn't he supposed to be splitting it with Mayim Bialik? Yes. She was going to do the nighttime specials. Oh, okay. And he was going to do the daytime version. Okay. As Francis Collier would say, what happened was <laughs> he had a past. And his past had to do with a podcast right. about the Price is Right. 
on that podcast, he made all he kinds fat of people. He fat shamed people. Yeah. He called a woman that he was doing a show with a booth slut. Oh yeah, because she'd been at a trade convention show mm-hmm. in Las Vegas. He also made a joke about somebody's nose being Jewish, and the Anti Defamation League got into it and yeah. demanded an apology. And the other part of it was he was involved. Obviously, he's the executive producer. He's involved in the choosing of the person to be the replacement for Alex Trebek. Right. And, well, there were two people who were highly, highly supported in this race. One was Ken Jennings, who was the greatest of all time. And the other was LeVar Burton. Right. From Reading Rainbow. So Michael Richards was in charge of getting whatever tapes that there were that were submitted to, I guess, a panel that they have a, what's it called? A nonpartisan panel. <laughs> it's a, a neutral panel mm-hmm. who is supposed mm-hmm. to look at these tapes. I swear. And, Next to the Electoral College, the Jeopardy panel is like the most important thing going it's on. It's true. So he was in charge of sending the tapes of the episodes. Someone said that LeVar Burton had a hard time at the beginning of his. I guess they're five or shot in one day. So at the beginning of the day, he wasn't as strong as he was at the end of the day. And they suppose that LeVar Burton's early tapes were sent in to this panel. Anyway, it looked very suspicious just in the Dick Cheney kind of way Mm -hmm. that it was presented to the public. And he was the least likely person of all of the personalities who had gone. I mean, Anderson Cooper had tried it. Katie Couric had done Mm -hmm. it. There were so many people and he was the least recognizable of all of them. Right, right. And yet there he was and he wouldn't have had to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune if it hadn't been for a woman named Claire McNear who had written a book about Jeopardy all right and she smelled a rat when he got the assignment so she went back and listened to his podcast all right and she was the one who discovered what had been said and right his attitudes and also he had created apparently a toxic environment at the price is right mm-hmm. and so all of this just came crashing down around him on his first day Hmm. and then he seemed to hold on to his job as the executive producer and then Sony just finally said we're we're over it well what I read today what sealed the deal for me against this guy is he gave that horrible non-apology that people give the standard one is I'm sorry if anyone took offense at anything I said it wasn't that but it was it was that offensive no he's a no good Nick yeah or I've had a lot to learn along the way yes like that but never like I was wrong I shouldn't have said those things that seems to be not in the vocabulary of most people who were caught doing those things So what's going to happen? Is it all up in the air? No, it's completely up in the air. I think they need to have a woman, personally. Yeah, or not a white man. Or a woman of color. And a woman of color would be even better. It can't be another white man. Even a good one. Even a nice white man. No, not even a Ken Jennings. We have to change it up. You know, that's what's so nice about movies and TV now is things really are changing. Did Mm. you want to talk about Nine Perfect Strangers? Oh, I have to. Yes. Because I had such high hopes for Nine Perfect Strangers. I know you did. I mean, it had this cast of big stars. And and David Kelly. David Kelly, who's got this great reputation. Yeah. I'm not 
that in on what he's done. But I know that he had Big Little Lies, right, with Nicole Kidman. And that was really good. And I know Nicole Kidman is a good actress because people have told me so. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't say I've ever had the personal experience of going, wow, what a good actress. <laughs> and the thing about this show, I wanted to really like it because it's about self-help and new age and group psychology, all these things that I'm into. So I, you watch an episode and you go, well, it's a little slow and the character's a little a little boring and Nicole Kidman seems like she's in some kind of weird hypnotic trance but maybe that'll pay off later because they do they drop in these little clues that she's got this checkered past and she's being threatened in the first episode so it's not a spoiler in the first episode she's getting like weird text messages that are threatening so you know she's got a past and something's going on so another episode and you see some good actors there's a couple their son committed suicide recently and they're obviously in a state of sort of suspended animation emotionally okay and the really it's painful but they play it really well and she's so good that it's fun to watch her anyway episode after episode each one has a little more of a reveal about the emotional angst and psychological angst that each character has brought to this healing center okay. where they're going to have this 10-day experience where they're all going to be changed. Because of the production quality and the caliber of the cast and all the names attached, I kept thinking, oh, it's got to get better. And I'll watch <laughs> a second episode and, well, yeah, it's still a little kind of weird, but maybe they're just laying groundwork for something really phenomenal. Was it, was it kind of boring? It's so boring. Oh. It's so boring. And Nicole Kidman, she plays this Russian... Not spa so much, but like a real self-realization center a guru. guru. And she's such a heinous character. She's so self-righteous and she's so controlling and she's so manipulative. And she's got this constant smile on her face. And then I read this article on the show and they interviewed Nicole Kidman. And she said, oh, I wouldn't even let people call me Nicole while we were filming. Oh because I didn't want to break that reality. And I thought, oh, honey, you should have broken it. <laughs> You should have broken it. We might Nicole, have seen, Nicole, Nicole. We might have seen something real. The reviews are pretty bad now. They all focus on her wig. She's got this long, long, long blonde hair. But to me, the wig is not a problem at all. It's just she's got this constant smirk on her face. Like, I know something that you don't, so trust. And she'll always say to her employees, we're saying, you're giving them too many drugs. She gives them drugs as part of their smoothies. And she gives them what she calls microdoses. And it's like magic mushrooms or hallucinogens. It's supposed to help them with their process. These are the clients. The, the people who've come to this thing. And actually, again, the woman that's played by Asher, she really does go through a transformation. And it's kind of fun. And the others are starting to go through their transformations. But it's boring. So far, I'm at episode five. And I think there's going to be eight in total. But the reviewers all saw six episodes. And they say the same thing. <laughs> So, unless something phenomenal <laughs> happens in seven and eight, it's just not. I admire you for sticking with it. I would never have gotten so that far. Wanted it to turn out right. Oh, <laughs> you know, okay. I had high hopes. <laughs> like a relationship, I'll stay ten years. Yeah, on the off chance that it might go well. <laughs> well, this was another crappy year, but well, let's try it one more time. <laughs> one more year might really yeah, turn, turn the tricks. <laughs> <laughs> we just will. Avoid that one like the play. Oh, we have to. You, you must. But <laughs> okay. please, life okay. is short. Do you want to talk about the chair? Oh, the chair. I just came across it, but it was so much in line with what I where I work. You know? I know. I thought of you immediately. Uh, yeah. And, you know, some of the characters, are, it very much is like that. You have those people who are trying so hard never to say the wrong thing. My experience around college faculty, college university professors, 
that I work with, they're all really interesting. I love the ones I work with because they're interested in literature, which means they're really interested in life and human experience. And so I, I seriously do have a lot of respect for them and a certain admiration. But I've also noticed there's always this pressure to not offend and to never oh. say anything out of line. And Is that new? No, I think it's been there forever. I think it's part of university culture. It's like, huh. you, at least that's how I experience it. And I, and I noticed it in this show. I thought they portrayed it really well. Which character? I'm trying to think. Uh, I think Sandra O's character struggles with oh, that. Oh, she's, yes. She's really walking that fine mm-hmm. line. She's so wonderful. And then my other thought was, boy, Holland Taylor has aged a bit. She is 30 years older than Sarah Paulson, her yeah, wife. Yeah. She she has aged dramatically in the last, well, since we saw that wonderful piece on Ann Richards. Oh, yeah. Yes. Isn't she great in She's the piece? She's good, yeah. And boy, and she play. I mean... These characters are realistic. They're so full mm-hmm. and rich. And I love J. Duplass's character. Oh my God, what a fuck up. The students love him. Right. He gets away with murder. Right. That she loves him and she she wants him, but his wife just died. And, mm-hmm. you know, should they be together or should they not? And the kid and all the rest of it. I loved it all. Mm-hmm. Honestly, you're watching it. Donna's watching it. Rod's mm-hmm. watching it. I mean, Donna and Rod are watching it. Oh, yeah. I've seen this in the college. Board. Yes, but it's about a struggling humanities department. Yeah. I just don't know if it's a little too niche. All of the characters are recognizable, yeah, but I have no idea how yeah. it's doing on Netflix. Yeah, I don't know how much that will resonate with viewers, but it certainly is true to life. There is this shrinkage, you know, of university support for the humanities yeah. and this other support for the what they call STEM. STEM. Oh, that's, that's terrible. Yeah. But then uh, why would they have this series set in an English department if it wasn't actually yeah. happening? It's so true to yeah. life. It feels like it is. Yeah. Anyway, I think they do do a good job. Do you know where it's filmed? I can't figure out what No, it's a fake. Oh, I can't either, but it's a fake um, Pembroke, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's not a real name, but... But yeah, it looks like a real campus. But it campus. looks like a real Ivy League school. It does. Yeah. Because it was filmed during during COVID, was too. Oh, okay. You know what? It was probably filmed in Canada. Yeah. Because a lot of film was done there, right. and they have snow. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they had a lot of snow in that first... Sandra Oh is so good at the concerned face. <laughs> That's her face. She's constantly yes. concerned. <laughs> yes. And constantly baffled by... Yes. By these powers oh, that are God. beyond her. I mean, in everything she does, she's got that face. She's always <laughs> looking concerned. Oh. Well, she has a lot to be concerned about <laughs> in the chair. Yeah. Anyway, I think that that is... Do we have anything more on the list? I don't see anything else on the list. Oh, my God. We got through all of it. So I guess we're going to wrap this baby up. Okay. And thanks for finding us again. And we will... Talk to you in a week. Bye-bye. Bye, boomers. Stay safe.